Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Hello, Dr. Ray Bloemfontein. I'm so excited to be able to spending some time with you in the Word of God today. And uh, today we are going to be studying a, a chapter from Luke. Um, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15. And uh, we are looking at one of the parables that Jesus told. And today my hope is that we would actually read a little bit more scripture than what we usually do in one of these sermons. And I'm hoping that this, this parable will really come alive for you because um, I truly believe this is so applicable uh, to everyone, and that's just the genius of Jesus. Whenever Jesus was teaching, he knew how to address more than one crowd at the same time. So I want to invite you, go grab a coffee if you haven't, um, and also go grab your Bible, and you're welcome to open it to Luke chapter 15, and then we're going to get started. So over the past three weeks, we have been busy, busy with a series called New, and uh, basically what we've been discovering is that the answer that the world is giving all of us is a new year, new me kind of gospel. Um, just earlier this month, it was New Year, and I'm sure you also had a few New Year's resolutions. And uh, if you just think about it, when it comes to health or finances or anything to do with yourself, the answer that the world is giving us is an answer of self-improvement. Uh, new Year, New Me. If I just work on myself, then I'll maybe feel better about myself or achieve my goals and what, whatever. Um, but the interesting thing is that the answer that the gospel gives us, the answer that the Bible brings us and that Jesus actually taught is not a new year, new me kind of gospel. He didn't come and, and preach a self-improvement kind of religion. Jesus taught new creation. The promise of Jesus is that once we are in Christ, we are new. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 explains exactly this. And uh, what we've been doing in this series is not so much looking at how God transforms us and makes us new, but also asking the question, what is the message that we bring to our world? What is the message that your friends need that feel far away from God? Maybe there's someone that you know that you know they don't serve God, they don't even acknowledge God. What, what is the good news that, that you carry as a Christian that the world really needs to hear? Is it another self-improvement message? Haven't they heard enough of that? Or do we carry something truly good? Uh, Alan Platt always says that good news is only good news when it is good news. And a message of self-improvement, usually for me, it's not good news. But the message of new creation the message of reconciliation that through Christ, because of the forgiveness, uh, because of, of the finished work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection, we have got free access to our Father. That is good news. Now, in Luke chapter 15, um, there is this wonderful setting. So before we start reading, let me give you a bit of the background. Um, so Jesus was spending time with the sinners, as it seems like he, he always does. And in the beginning of Luke chapter 15, let me quickly read it to us. Um, it starts off, and then in Luke 15, there are actually three very famous parables. And we've been preaching on each of these parables, and we're coming to the last one today. So the first parable that Jesus tells is the parable of the lost coin. And then he tells the parable of the lost, no, sorry, he starts with the parable of the lost sheep. And then he tells the parable of the lost coin. And then he concludes by telling the story of the lost son uh, or the prodigal son. 
But all these three parables are in the context of what happened just before this in Luke chapter 15 from verse 1 to 3. So I want us to study a bit of scripture today. So in Luke 15 from verse 1 to 3, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. This is now Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so the Pharisees and the, the, the scribes were the religious kind of people, so churchy kind of people in this time. And they were not very excited about the fact that Jesus was spending time with those that are far away from God, the sinners and the tax collectors. And so they were grumbling. And then Jesus turned to them, and so he told them this parable. And so this, these parables, these three parables are actually in response to the Pharisees. And obviously the sinners and the tax collectors also hearing this parable, he had a message for them too. But this is so relevant if you, if you consider yourself as a religious person, that we hear what Jesus is communicating about the Father's heart. And so then he tells the story of the, the lost uh, sheep and then the lost coin, which we spoke about the previous two weeks. And then he comes to verse 11. Now I want us to read a few verses and then I'll say something about it. Um, the parable of the lost son, there are actually four characters that uh, I want to highlight and then uh, say something about each of them. Now you might have heard about three of the four characters because the fourth one is actually one that we made up. My good friend and I, when we were writing the sermon, we made up a fourth character. And so the first character is the, the younger son, which you might have heard about. And then there's the father, and then there is the older son, and then there's also the younger sister, which I want to tell you about. But don't worry, don't, you're not going to find it in the Bible. It's actually in Luke chapter 89, which doesn't exist, but you're going to enjoy that part of the story also. So let's start reading from verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. Now remember Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. He's trying to teach them something. And the way that he does this is by telling them a story. There was a man, he had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And, and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into, into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants? Have more than enough bread, but perish here, but I perish here with hunger. So let me just quickly pause there for a moment. So the younger son, he took his, his part of the inheritance. Many of you already know this parable, um, but just to quickly say this. So, so the younger son, he goes out, um, he squanders his wealth in, in, in wild living. He finds himself between the pigs. And that's the moment when he realizes that he would have been far better off with his father. Let me just quickly ask you this question. How is it that people get lost? How do we lose our way and walk away from God? It's the same way as this younger brother. We sometimes believe, unfortunately, that there is, there's more in this world for us than what our father has. We, we, we think that there's more satisfaction to be found out there, um, outside of the house of our father. Now, you might have been at that place. I've been at that place where 
I didn't really trust that, that what my father have, has for me in this life is so much better than anything the world can offer. And I started running to other things to try and satisfy my needs. Maybe you've been at that place. And, and, and so many of us, uh, we fall in that trap. We think uh, whether it be, you know, drinking or clubbing or, you know, burying yourself in your, in your career, uh, success, um, uh, people from the opposite sex, or whatever it might be, we think we will find something better out there instead of knowing that what the father has in his house is so much better. And so, so no one decides to just get lost. We, we sometimes get trapped into it, just in the same way that the, this younger son was actually also trapped into it. But here's the thing. In that moment when he realized he was amongst the pigs, that he was in crisis, that was the moment he realized that something needed to change. Now, let me ask you this question. We've been in this series speaking about our compassion, our heart for the lost, for those that are far away from God. Do you know that if someone is in crisis right now, that it is your opportunity to come close for them? You see, every crisis is a call for action for us as Christians. Whether it be a crisis in the world, we are called to action. But especially when you've got a friend, a neighbor, a family member, just someone you know that is experiencing crisis in their life, it is a call for action for you and for me to come closer to that person. If you find a person that is finding themselves, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking, amongst the pigs, it is not a moment for us to judge that person. It's not a moment to, you know, give them a sort of a, this condescending type of message of, you know, just improve yourself. You need to sort out your own life. No, no, that is the moment for us to come and sit with them, to come close. So whenever you've got a friend that is in crisis, it is an opportunity for you as a Christ follower to come close to them and see them come home to the Father. Every crisis is a call to action for us. Whenever, uh, when, when, let me put it this way, when they are at their lowest we should be at our closest. That's what Jesus is saying here. When they are at their lowest, disqualifying themselves, that's when we, you and I, we need to be at our closest uh, to our neighbors. And then the story goes on. So the younger brother says, I will arise. He speaks to himself. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants and then he arose and came to his father and then let me just pause there for a moment so the younger son and i think so many people have experienced maybe you are experiencing this right now where you feel you've been so far away from god or you've you've messed up so much were you saying to yourself well i'm no longer worthy you know to come before god i'm no longer worthy to be to even call myself a member of that church anymore it's exactly what this younger brother was experiencing. He says, I'm, not, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. That's okay. And so this younger son forgot who he was. Friend, I want to say, if you're in that place where you don't feel worthy anymore, you feel you've messed up so many times or you've messed up so badly, you've disqualified yourself so much that you don't feel worthy to be called a son or daughter of God anymore, you are no different to this younger brother who forgot who he, who he was. I think so many of us, we, we, we serve God. We think we serve God, but we're serving him as a hired servant. 
we, we're not serving him as a son and a daughter. You see, a son and a daughter doesn't walk around with their guilt and their shame anymore. They accept the father's forgiveness. Let me tell you what happened in the story. So the younger brother, he arise and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And then the son, remember, he had the speech prepared for his father. He says, I'm going to tell him the speech. And he starts off with his speech. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then he doesn't even finish his speech. The father doesn't allow him to finish his speech because he hears his son saying, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father interrupts him and he says, But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father listens to the son speaking, saying, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father recognizes that you have forgotten who you are. He says, bring the best robe. The best robe was the father's own robe. He says, put it on him. Let, him. let him see that he deserves the best robe in the house because you are a son in the house. Put the, the ring on his finger, probably referring to a signet ring, which is a, a, a sign of authority. The father's authority restored to the son. Putting shoes on his feet. It's a sign of dignity. You're not going to walk around like a slave anymore but you're going to be a son in the house. You see, let me just put it this way. So the attitude that the, the younger son had toward the father was that I'm hoping that the father will forgive me. Just give me, just give me a space. Let, let me just be a, a, a servant uh, in, on the estate. I'll settle for that. As Christians, we sometimes come like that to God, especially after we messed up. We're willing to settle for something so much less than what the father has for us. It's like I'm willing, if I'm, if I'm just like forgiven and one day I can go to hell, not, not go to hell, but actually just go to heaven, that's good enough for me. But, but I don't expect any you know, authority in this life or to be living really without a guilty conscience or anything like that. We come like slaves to the Father. Just if I can just, we, 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 we come to the Father like, you know, if you can just forgive me. And it's just like we, we live this life where we think we are worms before God. And the father speaks to the younger brother and he says, you've forgotten who you are. Maybe you need to hear this today. Maybe you've forgotten that you are a son and a daughter welcomed into the father's house. Let me put it this way. We think that we have to convince God to take us back. But in fact, the father, our father in heaven, God, is waiting on the porch for us to start coming back. As soon as he sees us with an intent coming back, he runs toward us, he embraces us, and he wants to restore your dignity and also restore your authority. You don't have to convince God. He already proved that he loves you. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you decided to come back to God, God already made a way to make it possible for you to come back. This is the other problem. We think that it's only once the father takes us back that he starts loving us. Like, okay, now that you're back in the house, now I will start loving you like a son or a daughter. No, no, my friend. When the son was lost and amongst the pigs, the father's heart was breaking for his lost son. The father loves those that are lost as much as what he loves those that are inside of the fold. There's no difference. You see, 
God doesn't love us because he redeemed us. No, no, no. It's because he loved us that he decided to redeem us. He made a way so that we can come back. Maybe you need to hear that today. Now, the story goes on. Now, his older son, so speaking about the third character, so we've spoken about the younger brother. Maybe you can associate to that, or maybe you just recognize you've got friend in the, friends in the world that are at their lowest. They are in crisis, and you recognize this is the time for you to be at your closest. So speaking about the younger brother, and then there's the father. Understanding the father's heart is for these sinners, the tax collectors, to come back. That is the father's heart. He wants to welcome them back. It is his desire to welcome them back. We don't have to convince the father to take us back. He wants to welcome them back. And then there's the third character, the older brother. And then we're going to get to the, the, younger, the younger, younger sister, which I'm going to speak, speak about in a moment. But the older brother, it says in verse 25, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And they said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His, father's, oh, his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his, father's, his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes or came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your younger brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now let me just quickly go back to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, Jesus turns to the Pharisees and he starts speaking to them. Now, this older brother was actually directly aimed at the Pharisees. Uh, you see, they were the relig religious kind. They are angry when the Son of God is actually spending time with sinners and tax collectors. When this religious person, Jesus, is excited about those that are far away from God. And he's trying to tell them, you are like the older brother. Because of your self-righteousness, you think that you are good and you deserve certain things. And people that have squandered the wealth of the Father don't deserve. You're stuck in your self-righteousness. But if you understood that you are also a son in the house, that you would celebrate when your younger brother or sister actually comes back home. And that maybe just quickly leads me to the fourth character, um, which is the younger sister. So the problem with the older brother is that the older brother could not celebrate with the joy uh, of the father when the younger brother actually came back. In the same way that the Pharisees and the scribes could not be excited even when those that never get to synagogue finally started listening to a man of God in the person of Jesus. They didn't celebrate it. They were angry uh, because of it. Now, just imagine for a moment. So again, this is not in the Bible, but just imagine for a moment there was another younger sibling, the younger sister, okay? And she came home after the younger brother, maybe many years later, the younger sister did the same. She pulled the same stunt and, uh, you know, squandered everything, did some bad things uh, to the family name, etc. And the younger sister comes back home. In which way do you think that younger brother 
that has received the grace of the father? In which way would he receive his younger sister as opposed to the older brother? You see, if you have experienced the grace and the love of the Father, the kindness of God over your life, it is very easy to rejoice with the Father whenever someone else comes into the fold, when someone else receives forgiveness for their sins. But if you are stuck in your self-righteousness, so I reckon if there were a younger sister that did the same thing as the younger brother and she came back later, that the younger brother would have cried because he knows what she's going through. He would have wanted to help her get rid of her guilt and shame and take up her you know, position in the family. In the same way for you and I, if you have not tasted the grace and the kindness of God, it's very difficult to have compassion for those that are lost, that are amongst the pigs, that are in crisis. If you have not tasted the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, it's also very difficult to celebrate and be glad when other people are starting to find it, for the potential of it. And so with that, I want to say that one of the best ways that we can truly have compassion for this world and look at this world the way that Jesus does is to think back on what Jesus has done for you. And to be honest with yourself, if Jesus hasn't done anything for you, then maybe you are just a religious person like the Pharisees and you have not received the salvation of Jesus. Because the only way that we can receive this is if we come to our end. We come to the end of ourselves and we realize that we cannot anymore. We are in need of grace and mercy. And once we've tasted that, it becomes easier for us to actually have compassion with other people. Now, let me ask you this question. When it comes to those that are far away from God, do you represent the older brother or do you represent the heart of the father? See, as Christians, as the church, we are called to represent the Father's heart when it comes to those that are lost and far off. You see, the point of these three parables, the lost uh, sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, was not to emphasize how infinitely lost those are that are without God. The focus was not on their lostness. The focus was on how infinitely valuable they are to the Father that the shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one. That the, this, this, like the lady searching for the lost coin, that she would you know, turn over the whole house and light a lamp just to go and find that one lost coin. Speaking about the infinite value of each and every person on this planet. And then lastly, not speaking, the focus is not the lostness of the son, but it's understanding the infinite love of the father for every son and daughter that are outside of the Father's house at this very moment. Friend, I want to pray for you right now that especially if you are a Christ follower, I want to pray for you that you would have a heart of compassion, that you would truly see the infinite value, the infinite worth, the infinite love that the Father has for each person that you will be passing by tomorrow when you walk this city. Let's pray together. And lastly, if you, maybe this message was for you personally, Maybe you realize that, that you are maybe a lost uh, or you were a lost son or daughter and you have come home, but you are still living as a slave, still living as a servant in the Father's house. May you just grasp and may God come and show His heart for you that He wants to restore your, your value, your dignity, your place in the house, and He wants to restore your authority also. 
let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for each person that is one of your followers, God. Will you come and show them which person in their life is at their lowest? Would you come and send people uh, across, uh, across their way that, that are really in crisis and, and may they really recognize the opportunity when they are at their lowest that we should be at our closest. Come and give us a heart of compassion, Jesus. Do the same in my heart also. And then lastly, God, if there's anyone that needed to hear this today, may you come and reveal your heart to them and show them that we don't have to convince you to move back into the house. It is your desire. You are the one that came looking for us and came running to us. And may we take up the, 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 the dignity that you give us. May we, we put away feelings of guilt and shame once we are clothed with this, this robe of righteousness uh, through the finished work of Jesus. And may we also take up the authority that the Father has given us. Amen. Bless Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.